calling and election sure, and it will make us so that we're neither barren nor unfruitful in the kingdom of God. We've looked at the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 5 where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That if we're led by the Spirit and we walk with the Spirit, then we're going to have that, that product in our lives, those fruits of the Spirit, that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And today I want us to talk about that peace that passeth all understanding. Because I believe that that's in those, in those words also. That when He gives us that abundant life, we have something that the world is yearning for. And I think that we can see in our world today that people are yearning for peace. They want to have peace. And you can find that in various monuments and statues where there's a call for peace. I know in a park across from the United Nations, the words of Isaiah are in, in, engraved in marble. It says there in that park, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4, And they shall beat their, their, their swords into plowshares and their, shears, or their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's a universal plea for peace. But I want to talk about something that's deeper than an absence of stress. I want us to realize that God wants us to have peace within. And that is possible in all of our lives. When we look at the words of Peter and we look at the words of Apostle, or the, the Apostle Paul, we realize that they were apostles. And sometimes we look at those individuals and say, oh yes, it's all possible for them. But I want us to realize that they're writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and their words are directed to us also. That we can have the things that they had. That we can have that peace that passeth all understanding. We can have that joy. We can have the love that we've talked about. And so that New Testament word for peace is a very important word. Because it comes from a Hebrew word called shalom. And that was a common greeting that the Jewish people had back then. And they still have it today. It's much like our greeting of hello, or God bless, or how are you, or good morning. But that shalom word goes a lot deeper. It has a deeper meaning. Shalom means to speak of total well-being in your life. That that's what you're wishing for that individual when you say those words. Or that word. Shalom speaks of peace in every area of your life. And so when they greeted one another with that phrase, it was an important phrase because they wanted them to not only have absence of conflict, but they wanted them to have peace, that deep meaning of peace that we're going to look at. Shalom is a condition where everything in our life is just right. God's peace is about fulfillment, maturity, Harmony, tranquility, security, and friendship. And a total well-being of a person or a collective group of people. This God-promised peace is the reason God sent His Son into this world to die on a cross. In fact, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. We also realize that He came and He brought goodwill for all people. An abundant life. And that you and I can have that peace. And all mankind can have that peace. The peace that we're talking about this morning is not just the absence of conflict or stress in our lives. But it's a relationship that we have with our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came bringing peace, total peace. 
the peace that passeth all understanding, the peace that comes with the abundant life. And I believe that we can that He came so that we can have peace in three areas. That we can have peace with God. And that's most important. The man can have peace with God because we realize that sin separates us from God. Isaiah tells us that, that our sins and our iniquities have separated us from God. But through the forgiveness of our sin, the removal of that sin in our lives, it brings peace to our relationship with God. And there's something that brings that tranquility, that peace inside when we know that we're right with God. But he also came not only so that we could have a right relationship with God, that we could be at peace with our fellow man, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the people that we come in contact in the, in the world. You see, Scripture tells us how to have this man-to-man peace by having agape love, which we talked about in one of our sermons. Agape love isn't just an emotion. There is an emotion involved with it, but we also realize that we're looking for the good in someone else. We're trying to help that person in any way that we can to develop the goodness that we know that they have. We want them to be saved, and sometimes we look at individuals, and they may not be what we want them to be, but we still love them and we care about them because we realize that they have a soul. And so we can have peace man to man when we have the right kind of love for those individuals. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to have that agape love for each other. That we care about each other's well-being. That we care about their, 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 their life. We care about what's going on in their life. And we want to help them in any way that we can. But we also realize that Jesus came not only to bring peace with God and to bring peace with our fellow man. But to bring peace to self. And sometimes that's where we struggle. Sometimes we don't have the peace inside that we need to have. And I believe that sometimes we're miserable because maybe our relationship with God isn't right. Or maybe we have a problem with a relationship with someone here on this earth. But many times it's an inner peace that we fail to have. And Jesus came to give us that peace regardless, regardless of the circumstances and the situations that come into our lives. You see, this personal peace can be ours because we are forgiven. And we have no guilt from the sin that we've committed that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We can have that peace regardless of what's going on in our lives. Because we have a hope of heaven. And that we realize that no matter what's going on in this life, that it's only temporary, that someday we'll have a home in heaven, and we won't have any of the trials and temptations and struggles that we face in this life. Because we know that God is present in our lives. We can have peace in our lives. Because we know what the Bible teaches, like in Romans chapter 8, and verse 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. So we know that God is working in our lives to make things good out of difficult situations or out of bad things that are happening. Listen to these verses that prove that God has given peace. The shalom peace that we're talking about. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Romans chapter 1, or 5 and verse 1, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access to faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. God wants us to have that peace. And then there's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Which tells us, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And so we realize that the peace that we can have as Christians, the the peace that others have talked about in the New Testament, when we have that peace, the world is going to see that. That when problems are going on in our lives, we still have that, that, that peaceful disposition, that we're still comfortable, that we're still realizing that God is with us. And it's hard for the world to understand. I mean, we look at some of the individuals in the Bible who went through tremendous persecution. We read about history, how the first century Christians were persecuted. And we wonder, how could that happen? How could they go to be fed to the lions or go to the arenas? Whatever happened to them? How could they go with smiles on their faces? How could they go with a song in their heart? Because they had that peace that passeth all understanding. Do you have that peace? I believe a good illustration of this God-given peace is found in John chapter 20. You flip over there, you might mark a few verses. In John chapter 20, it was a Sunday evening and the apostles were, uh, it was following the resurrection, the apostles were gathered in a room with the door shut. Most likely they were locked or they were in some way hoping that no one would come in. Why? Because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. That's what it tells us there in the scriptures. Jesus had been crucified. They were thinking they were next. And it doesn't seem on this occasion that they had that peace inside that they needed to have or that they should have had. And John tells us in those scriptures, suddenly Jesus appeared to them. And then in verses 19 and verse 21, Jesus says it twice. He says, standing, or standing before them, he says, peace be unto you. Then he affirms his identity by showing them the wounds in his hand and his side. The King James Version says, and they were glad. I believe some other versions say, Extremely glad or rejoiced. They were happy. They felt good. Sometimes in life when things go wrong, I know when we were little, young, you know, something would go wrong and we thought the world was coming to an end. And maybe mom would come up or dad would come up and they would just say everything's going to be okay. And you needed to hear that. And when you heard that, guess what? It gave you comfort, didn't it? And sometimes, even as adults, we want people to just come up and say, it's going to be okay, life's going to be okay. And I believe that that's what Jesus is doing right here on this occasion. And the disciples are hidden, hiding, out of fear. 
And Jesus says, peace be unto you. It's going to be okay. Brethren, I hope that we are at peace. That we are glad by the fact that Jesus is present in our life. <clears throat> and that he's affirming his identity daily by the blessings that we receive. So how can we have this peace? This peace that passeth all understanding. <clears throat> well, I believe that there are four avenues by which that peace of God can travel to us. First of all, that peace flows through us or flows to us through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Beginning in John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to leave. And they begin to ask some questions. Where are you going? How can we go? And in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus tells them that he will send them the Comforter who will or who would be with them. He would guide them in all truths. He would convict the world of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. So that's what the Holy Spirit was to do in the lives of the apostles. And in John chapter 16 and verse 33, these things, he says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That same Holy Spirit is promised to you and me. We will not have the ability to work miracles. We're not going to be able to raise the dead. We're not going to be able to heal the sick. We're not going to be able to do the things that they did with the miraculous powers. We're not going to have a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit to where the knowledge of God that He wants us to have is just going to be beamed into our head. It's not going to happen. But His presence brings peace. And we know that God is with us. And in a moment, we're going to look and see how. In our text, Paul affirms that the fruit of his presence is in our life. In other, in other words, in Galatians chapter 5, G, or Paul is telling us that when we are led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, that the product of that is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And one of those things is peace. The peace that Jesus came to offer is ours when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. And when we walk in the truth, when we walk in step with the, the Holy Spirit, when we walk in the light, as Jane, or 1 John chapter 1 tells us, when we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ continually cleanses us. So when we walk in the light, when we walk in truth, that Spirit is going to guide us. That's how it guides us through God's Word. Now, I want us to look at another passage of Scripture. You might have your Bible. You might want to turn over there and mark some verses or mark a, a few things in this verse. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, and I'm going to also include verse 4. But beginning in verse 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, I wanted to put it on the screen in just the way it's written. But then I wanted to go back and emphasize some of the things that are the points that are made in that passage of Scripture. 
Because it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Not just some peace, but perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed or focused upon God. Do I want to have that perfect peace? Then my mind has to be focused on God. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. Why do I have that perfect peace? Because I'm focused on God. And I trust God. You know how many of us say we trust God? But we really don't trust God. This scripture plainly shows us that if we want to have that perfect peace, we need to stay focused on God. And we need to trust Him. We also notice from verse 4 that that's where our strength comes from. Our strength comes by focusing on God. And trusting him. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, Now the Lord of peace himself gives you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Listen. I hope that you believe that God and his son Jesus lives in you. And that that spirit lives in you just like it does just like God lives in us and Christ lives in us. And when we obey the, the, the will of the Spirit, when we walk in step with the Spirit, we will have peace. And it's very important to understand that we cannot be led by the Spirit, that we cannot be guided by the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit, separate and apart from the written Word of God. So if you want the Spirit to guide you, then that leads us to our second point, because it is through the Word of God that we learn what the Spirit wants us to do. We learn the truth. Remember what I said? He's not going to burn, or the Holy Spirit's not going to beam that knowledge of God's Word into our head. Why? Because it's been confirmed. We have it. And so all we need to do is read it and study it. And if we don't put the Scripture in our hearts and in our minds, then guess what? We're going to have trouble remembering those things because it's not there. And so I cannot have that peace. I cannot have the, the, or be guided by the Spirit or led by the Spirit without the Scripture in my heart and in my life to guide me. Our word, or our word peace, appears nearly 400 times in the Bible. Scripture is about peace. It's about the right relationship with God. It's about the peace that we have with our fellow man. It's about the peace that we have within. But again, peace is not about the absence of stress, but the presence of God in our lives. Interesting, isn't it? When you look at Psalms 119, there are 176 verses that tell us about the virtues of the Word of God. 
In verse 105 of that chapter, Psalms chapter 119, 100, or verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How do I get led by the Spirit? Through the written word of God. His word is to guide me. How do we get that word? It's all given by the inspiration of God. Holy men of God wrote as they were led by the Spirit. So the Spirit is guiding us through the written word of God. And so I need to have that word of God in my life. If I want to have the peace that passeth all understanding, the peace that Peter's talking about, the peace that Paul's talking about, then I need to have the word of God in my life and in my heart. Verse 165 of that same chapter, the psalmist says, Great peace have we which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Do we love God's word? Do we love the scriptures? You know, sometimes we feel what we want to feel as opposed to doing what God wants us to do. Again, in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, it tells us there of that perfect peace. Remember that verse. And those whose mind and trust are focused upon God, they will have that peace. When we focus on God and trust Him. Notice those verses. It's not just peace. It's perfect peace. And it's great peace. That the scripture is talking about. And then don't forget about Psalms chapter 1. Where it says blessed is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight. Is where? Where's his delight? If you're over there you'll know. It says but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, or neither or shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, for they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Look at that first portion of that, that song. The delight is where? In the law of God. On that law you meditate day and night. What, is that talking about that focus? Being focused on God? And then trusting, trusting Him? Where's your heart? Of the 27 New Testament books... 18 of those begin with some form of greeting for peace or of peace. You may have to read the first few verses, but there's a greeting of peace. Not just peace from a human author, but peace from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the source of peace comes from. Paul is frequently found saying, Grace and peace be unto you. 
You see, when we receive the grace of God, He gives us peace. Without His grace, there is no peace. You see, the Bible teaches us that we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We realize that that grace is what God has given to us, extended to us, and by faith we read and we accept it or we reject it. We have that choice. So by faith we read it, by faith we accept it, and by faith we obey it. That's something that's very important. We need to have faith that is an operating faith, a moving faith, a faith that moves us to do what we're told to do. And it results in salvation. And that salvation brings peace. Again, remember what it said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But what does Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 tell us? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you starting to see the importance of God's word? Peace, for the word, peace from the word is ours when we take God's advice, as it tells us in Psalms chapter 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Brother, we need to realize that God is God. We need to understand that he is the creator of this universe, the sustainer of this universe, the protector of this universe, and he can take it any time that he wants. He can end it all. We're in his hands. We're his creation. As Romans chapter uh, 2, verse 10 tells us, that we're his creation, created unto good works. That's what we're here for, to do what he wants us to do. And that's what brings us peace. So make time to read and to study and to meditate on the word of God. Trust the promises that he's made. And obey his commands. The third avenue that I want to talk about is peace through prayer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, pray without ceasing. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Brother, we need to realize that there's nothing that we should be anxious about. Nothing that we should worry about. Now, I know that everyone says, oh, that's human nature. That's, what we, that's just what we do. Well, look at all the things that human nature does that God says is wrong. Here he's telling us in this passage of Scripture, don't worry about anything. And it gets back to focusing on God and trusting God. And you might look at it as like three rooms that you could have. One room is full of anxiety, but it's empty. It's an empty room. There's nothing, nothing there. So don't go in there. And how many times have we worried about something that did not come true? It didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. So don't go into that area. And then there's the room that is full of prayer. A room in which we can bring everything that we have in life to God. And guess what? God listens to us. And sometimes we don't get the answer that we want. Have you ever thought maybe it's not the answer you need? And that's why it's not what you, what you got. 
But it's important. That room's important. Because if there's something in our life that's important enough for us to be concerned about, then we need to take it to God in prayer. And then there's a room of thanksgiving. And when we look in that room, that room is full. Now, some of us would rather go to that empty room of anxiety and stay out of that room of thanksgiving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this. I'll probably get in trouble with my wife. <clears throat> we don't have a garage. We don't have a basement. The other day she was cleaning out a room, working on cleaning out a room. And she said, I'm tired of my house being a garage. What do you look, you see, well, Ben has tools in some room and I have tools in some room. And sometimes I guess it could be annoying. She said, well, look around. I said, yeah. You know what I see? I see a house that is used. Sometimes we forget that. We get all caught up in what, you know, we think everything should look like, and we forget to look at the blessing. Because looking at that, to me, one of the things I noticed, that means that we can work. That we can function as human beings, that we're not crippled, we're not, you know, something wrong with us, that we can't work. But we can use the talents and the abilities that God's blessed us with. Now, I didn't preach that sermon to her. I figured today's Sunday. She could hear it with the rest of you. But sometimes we don't look at all the blessings that we have. We look at those blessings as more of a problem as opposed to looking at them in the right light. So we all have a room of thanksgiving, a room filled with the gratitude for each and every blessing that God has given us in this life. And Paul is saying, be anxious for nothing, prayerful for everything, and thankful for every blessing that you have. Indeed, this kind of prayer life produces peace. You think about it. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, just casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. The God of this universe, who created it, cares about little old you and little old me. He cares about you. I find that amazing when you think of all the things he's got to keep track of. He cares about me. You can take your cares to him. We do that through prayer. And that's where we can have peace. When we focus on God. When we meditate upon his word. And we trust him. You see, when we talk to God in prayer, we, we turn our cares over to him. Don't say amen and then just pick them up and carry them back with you. Leave them at God's feet. Let him take care of it. You see, when we speak of peace as a fruit of the Spirit, we're speaking of a state, a condition, an economy that we that can and does exist regardless of what's going on around us. Talked about that greeting that the Jewish people used of shalom. In the Old Testament, when they were carried away into Babylonian captivity, it wasn't something that they wanted. 
but they would still greet one another with that greeting of shalom. In New Testament times when they were occupied under the authority of the Roman Empire, it wasn't a pleasant time for them either. But they still greeted one another with the words of shalom. In his epistles, Paul begins with grace and peace, yet at times he was in prison. Knowing that he was going to die on a cross, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Peace I leave you. My peace I give unto you. John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, they were under a great persecution at that particular time. And we find the words of grace and peace in the introduction of that book, of that letter. There is no doubt that genuine biblical peace is a result of the right and proper relationship with God. And indeed, when the Spirit of God lives in us, it produces the peace that passeth all understanding. That's beyond any human understanding. And again, that peace is a state of mind. It's an economy. It's a way of life. It brings contentment regardless of what's going on around us. <clears throat> the fourth avenue is obedience. God's peace is only available when we complete our faith with obedience. If I believe what God has told me I need to do in order to be saved, I must do what God's told me to do in order to be saved. When Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, then I, might, I may believe that. And if I believe that, then I need to act upon that. If I'm not a Christian, I need, to be, I need to believe and be buried with my Lord in baptism. On the day of Pentecost, when they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Did they believe that message? They most certainly did. Why? Because we see from their actions that there were about 3,000 that were baptized into Christ on that day. Obedience is something that God expects. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. In John chapter, 15, verse, or John chapter 14, verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Jesus is showing us if we love him, if we believe in him, then we need to obey him. He expects us to obey him. In fact, James tells us in James chapter 2 that even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. That's in verse 17. And then in verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So when people say, oh, I don't have to do anything. All I got to do is have faith. Well, let me tell you something. That faith is a faith that moves you to obey what the scripture tells us we must do. Amen. There's no choice in it. And if you trust God, then you trust him with your soul. And if you're going to focus on him, then you need to obey him. What good does it do us? How can we have peace when we know what God tells us to do and we refuse to do it? 
There is no peace in knowing the truth and in knowing the truth and not obeying it. Peace comes from our having a pure conscience because we have obeyed God's truth. I want to close with this story. I think that it demonstrates that we're in control of our own peace. That it's something that comes from within. It's up to us as to whether or not we want to have that peace that passes all understanding, the peace that comes from that abundant life. There were two men who were confined in bed in a hospital, same hospital room. One had a bed looking out a window. The other looked out the door into the hallway. Each day the man by the window would explain the beauties that he saw. And he would describe children playing, lovers walking in the park, birds flying by, flowers that were in bloom, the red sky at sunset, families that were having and enjoying a picnic outside. And one day the man by the window passed away. And his friend asked if he could be moved over to the window. I want to enjoy the view, is what he said. When the aides moved him, he found that there was no window at all. That it was just a wall. You say, what does that mean? Well, think about that. He didn't see anything outside. But he saw the beauties inside. How many of us could look at life like that? Where we see the beauty, the good, the joy that God wants us to have. You see, joy is a choice that we make. It's a heart condition. It's a decision that we make to listen and to trust God with his promises and to have that peace in our life. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, this peace cannot be yours. Peace is knowing that we are forgiven, that we're saved, and that we're heaven-bound. Peace is a relationship with God, His living in us, by our obedience to His will. He gives us peace. And His peace is allowing the blood of His Son to cleanse us of our sin. So decide on peace. By having faith in what God has taught us, by knowing that His Son is the Son of God, making that change in your life by repentance, confessing the name of Jesus before men, and being buried with our Lord in baptism to have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. And when God wipes away those sins, guess what He says? It's as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? No one's been able to tell me because it's endless. As children of God, we must make up our mind that we can enjoy his peace by enjoying his presence in our life, by trusting in his promises and realizing that we have been forgiven of our sins, that we're saved, and that we have a much better place than this world can offer. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to become one. 
for coming and having a seat up here on the front row. As together we stand and sing.